0: Good morning. It's Saturday, January second, and I think air traffic volume is still down about sixty percent in Europe. But uh, nevertheless, Santa's sleigh got hit by an airplane. Uh, But you know, we don't give a fuck. Santa's dead. Happy Saturday and Happy New Years. Today, I wanted, you know, briefly talk about the ECB's monetary policy because this past year, as much as it has been intense and insightful, I hope for you as it has been for me in my personal life. It's also been one to remember for the credit markets, you know, both sovereign and corporate and monetary policy as a whole, how it's evolved. Because what started as a temporary 750 billion um, euro bond buying program, the ECB's Pandemic Emergency Purchase Program, the PEP, ended up actually being expanded by 1.1 trillion euros and actually got extended until March 2022. PEP is now a 1.85 trillion euro Essentially, debt disposal service for the very short lived, arguably very short lived benefit of governments of PIX countries such as Greece, for whom the ECB essentially mentioned a waiver of eligibility requirements for securities issued by these governments and purchased under the PEP. Right? So, essentially, the ECB initially wanted to select a program with which they wouldn't just be handing out money to you know random companies, governments, whatever you want to call it, essentially entities. Uh, and that's why they had these requirements so it wouldn't be a case of helicopter money but well here we are the overarching promise of the ecb to keep borrowing costs low has really many characteristics of yield curve control Uh, especially now there are no set monthly purchases just a promise to maintain favorable financing conditions whatever that is Um, the ecb has announced a lending rate of minus one percent until june 2022 for banks which keep lending to households and businesses In in other words the ECB will pay banks to borrow from the facility and obviously hand these loans out as long as they hand loans out to households and businesses. I really do think that this is a case of compensating banks and the finance sector, <clears throat> financial sector for years of low and well negative interest rates because that really hurts the profit margins of these banks if you compare the extent to which US banks are more prosperous than uh, European banks amidst their well, higher interest rates, still low but higher, this is essentially a way of compensating them it's you know you have to keep it afloat somehow they have to keep making money somehow so here they are because since june 2014 the ecb's key deposit rate that which charges uh that would that which it charges sorry banks for overnight deposits has been negative so essentially banks have to pay to store money in an overnight facility at the ecb and is currently at minus 0.5 since september 2019. Uh, Since March, the ECB has purchased around, probably a bit more now actually, uh, 700 billion euros worth of securities through PEP. And following the latest expansion, uh, the central bank will have enough funds to continue its pandemic-specific asset purchases at current pace for another 13 months, so just over a year. Um, Essentially, as the ECB becomes the major financier in our markets, um, be it credit, specifically, sorry, credit markets, Uh, it defines financing conditions, which it deems favourable, right, and essentially sets the price for credit. This is essentially a certain element of price control. Uh, And on the onset of a crisis, you know, when people go crazy, and there are very extreme circumstances, such price control may actually be close to the true, quote unquote, true value of credit, be it sovereign or corporate, if if we had less extreme circumstances, right, comparing that to a a pandemic, once-in-a-lifetime opportun- opportunity, but once-in-a-lifetime event, sorry, for us. Uh, but essentially, as the ECB continues to purchase securities, you know, kind of pedal harder their way through, thereby fixing a price, uh, that may eventually become the wrong price, essentially. Because at the onset of a crisis, uh, crisis sorry, uh, you might uh, be able to set a price whereby, you know, given well, a world without a pandemic, this is what the true value of the credit would be. Just, you know, in January this year, if that's the price which you still deem to be true value given you know the ECB's heavy involvement over the past two decades. But nevertheless, um, eventually it does become the wrong price. And therefore you have the distortionary effects of the market interest, quote unquote, market interest rates uh, versus what they actually should be uh, in, I actually would be, sorry, in a free market. Um, it's a very basic signaling mechanism of, Our capitalist environment right interest rates are very much the most consequential sorry prices of our economy and preventing this very basic um fundamental i should say signaling mechanism from working may have devastating effect it will have devastating effects right um and some of these are seen now essentially in the treasury yields bond yields of different governments um being very much Inconceivable sort of uh, Portugal recently joined a club of Euro- eurozone countries getting paid by investors to borrow, uh, since its yield on ten-year treasury bonds briefly went negative at the end of November. Italian and Greek bonds, ten-year bonds, sorry, uh, their yields have fallen by 84 and 77 basis points respectively over the past year. That isn't since the crisis; that is since the beginning of the year, or of, you know, over the past 12 months. Well, yeah, since the beginning of, yeah, since the beginning of 2020. Sorry. Um, and it's insane. It's it's nearly a whole percent off of the year, their yields and earlier earlier in December, sorry, uh Spain also issued its first ever 10-year treasury bonds at negative yield. Uh they auctioned just under under a billion euros at minus uh, 0.03% yield. This is a country which has 41% youth unemployment or a bit higher like 41.6 and its overall un- unemployment is like 16% as well. This is in a country which should be essentially making money from borrowing money um I, I would assume you know and especially when you talk about here i'm kind of not not interchangeably talked about co- uh, corporate and sovereign bonds and credit in general but it's a real problem when you talk about the sovereign bond markets because you get into politics and you get into especially the discussion of european countries being so varied in their economics uh, their, 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 their demographics were just about anything right linguistics there's so much variation that when you set a single monetary policy for them well it is at the savers expense that the borrowers gain right these borrowers depicts countries which gain from borrowing because of negative interest rates or very favorable financing conditions essentially this comes at the expense of savers it must do right borrowers benefit at the expense of savers savers when interest rates go down and monetary policy is very loose And who are these savers? Well, they're the Netherlands, Germany, and other countries. And it's very difficult to persuade a Dutch taxpayer, because, you know, government money, government finances, well, that's taxpayer finances, money. Um, It's very difficult to persuade a Dutch taxpayer why he should lend more to the Italian, right? This has been happening since 2012, um, to this extent, if not earlier. More so when the latter, the Italian, fails to behave like a debtor, right? These countries, they're, they're in perpetual... Uh, financing, refinancing, debt, um, Mm. leverage, all of this. uh, They're not borrowing now to pay it off anytime soon, um, as they did back in 2012. And going kind of back to the yield yield curve control, uh, this term is very provocative. It's a very provocative one to use. It catches a lot of attention, and specifically it pertains to a central bank limiting or even minimizing market activity and fixing prices. And over these past few months, really, the German and Italian 10-year government bonds yields haven't bounced around any narrow basis point range, which we would assume um, to be indicative of yield curve control, full-on control. But yield curve control in Europe may not be, at you know, kind of to the extent of normal constriction that we see in Japan, because the central bank's path to, you know, becoming a single dominant buyer of securities, Japanification, Japanification Which which is a word that's also thrown around. It happens gradually and then suddenly, right? We don't get introduced to QE, and then we wake up the next day, and boom, eighty percent of the market is owned by the ECB, or you know, they own all the bonds activity. They are the market, right? It doesn't happen like that, but it happens. um, Sorry, suddenly. Then one day, when we look at it retrospectively, we find ourselves in a place where the ECB is the market is very quickly becoming the market, the sole buyer, seller of owner, sorry, of securities such as government bonds. It can be a problem. Collapsing trade volumes and all-time volatility, volatility lows, sorry, in markets for German and Italian government bonds essentially signal the efficacy of ECB's QE, which is what we see now. The ECB is actually set to own 43% of Germany's sovereign bond market and around 40% of the Italian bonds at the end of 2021. That is up from 30% and 25% respectively in 2019. I have certain graphs and uh, visuals up on my blog if you'd like to check it out, where I talk about these specific topics more so, but all-time volatility lows, that is more so indicative of yield curve control, especially amidst, amidst a time of, well, more turbulence than I've ever seen in my lifetime. Obviously, hard to compare to the Great Recession. Nevertheless, um you wouldn't expect such low volatility uh, on a quarterly basis as we see now. Uh, it is a possibility that, you know, essentially the ecb's extraordinary and unprecedented actions which you see in ft or from the ecb's media releases may play a part in well, their, their policy will definitely de- definitely plays a part sorry in higher highs and higher lows of the market since they're moderating successfully and not the business cycle nevertheless it's i would say a certainty that each crisis makes ordinary of what used to be inconceivable for example, March um, March 23rd. You know, now now, we'll, now we can kind of move on to the corporate side of things more so. March 23rd marked the date when the Fed announced its plan for directly purchasing investment grade corporate debt, as well as fallen angel bonds, so that these are firms like GM and Ford, which especially in the UK um, USA, which saw the credit ratings downgraded to junk from investment grade between March and May, and simil- similarly. Similarly, uh, since April, the ECB began shielding the weakest euro economies, whole economies, or governments, and companies from credit rating downgrades. This initial decision essentially came two days before a potential credit rating reduction for Italy by the S&P Global Ratings firm, uh, showcasing how the ECB essentially wouldn't allow yields to rise, obviously thereby preventing Italy's fall into a sovereign debt crisis, as was Greece um, eight years back, today you know they're they're kind of preventing this fall today and they're satisfying non-banks liquidity constraint requirements however this liquidity does come in the form of more leverage right this is more debt more uh, ecb um i say ecb money it is just more debt in general and this all all it does is just act as an amplifier for market stress in the future be it a few months from now a few years from now whenever in the future it risks the kind of short-lived or or, sorry not short-lived but short-term benefits of economic growth supposedly or asset price reflation comes at the risk of long-term financial stability concerns and the trade-off is something that the ECB and policymakers have to really take into account because this is you know ironically enough this is very unprecedented what uh, we're seeing the ECB do now I suppose and well it's sometimes feel like we're it sometimes feels like we're walking into this blind of course i in the sense that we're only we cannot be sure of what is going to be what are going to be the consequences of this uh, we're only yet to find out and it's arguably good to be a little bit skeptical of these things and not and definitely take everything with a grain of salt uh, nevertheless <clears throat> the you, and we can see this really the euro high yield option adjusted spread index so this is essentially just high yield junk uh, corporate debt in the, in the euro uh, in the eurozone um the spread between this high yield high yield bonds sorry corporate debt and the appropriate or relative essentially government debt has fallen down to a 350 basis point pickup over government bills right so corporate debt as of December 24th uh, corporate debt has fallen down to a 351 basis point pickup over government government bills far below its 866 uh, point close on March 23rd right before all of these announcements and packages and monetary stimulus but it's still 16 points above its January spread so January 31st Um, The high-yield option-adjusted index had a 335 basis point pickup over government bonds. Now it has a 351 basis point pickup. Uh, Nevertheless, it seems like, you know, the ECB has achieved asset price reflation very quickly, in fact, and maintains financing conditions favorable, supposedly. Individual European governments still continue to provide deficit finance support for uh, SMEs, you know, small-medium enterprises, and the unemployed, but still... European institutions really do have a long way to go in achieving, for example, target inflation and promoting economic growth and recovery. Something that's been very inhibited uh, over this pa- over these past few years since the financial crash, great, uh, greater <laughs> yeah, get the great recession, and um, really, Europe may have survived the heart attack of the coronavirus. Obviously, we're talking about the basis point spreads, especially on, especially on you know the government bonds level, which nearly pushed a lot of these PIX countries into a complete sovereign debt crisis. Um, at least on the face of it, we see that things have cooled now. But again, like I said, Europe may have survived the heart attack, but now it has to make sure that it doesn't get addic- addicted to the medicine, to the drugs that it's taking. Uh, but we're only yet to see where this goes. Anyways. Happy New Year's, happy Saturday or January 2nd, and um, goodbye.